You are listening to the Nirvana podcast, episode 18, MTV Unplugged in New York, side B. Hello everybody and welcome to the Nirvana podcast. My name is Sietse. And I'm Jiritje. And in this podcast we take a look and have a listen to um, pretty much everything Nirvana. The stories, the history and of course the music. Yes, indeed. Last time we talked about side A of their uh, MTV Unplugged album. Or, well, should I say the first half of their uh, MTV Unplugged uh, show. Yeah. I think you said that you think of it more as a as a whole as a show yeah because you watched it on tv um to me it's it, it is more of an album because that's how it came to me yeah yeah i get that makes sense did, did you pick up a copy of the album uh, in the meantime or no no not yet not yet <laughs> sorry about that i should have so if somebody in bordeaux france has a copy lying around um yeah just uh, send us a message and uh, she'll come uh, pick it up yes for <laughs> five euros that's the maximum price. I just decided that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for bargaining that for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, just um, a little service uh, I provided uh, <laughs> cool. for you right there. We haven't talked about how the album looks. And usually what we do when we discuss uh, the first half of a uh, Nirvana album, we talk a bit about the context and the circumstances uh, under which it was made. And uh, when we uh, get to side B, uh, we zoom in just a bit more on the uh, on the artwork. So uh, let's do that. It's pretty basic, I suppose. It makes sense that it's... I mean, there's, I think, two big reasons. One is the fact that it was released after Kirk died. Um, and he usually thought of the artwork. And the other reason, I think, is that by the time the CD was released, um, it was already such an iconic thing. <laughs> that it made sense to just uh, use uh, photographs of the gig um, because that would make people recognize it instantly. It would, I think it would have been confusing if they made like really specific different artwork, I guess. Yeah. It it makes total sense to do it uh, this way, especially with the the flowers and the candles and stuff like that. Exactly. It's beautiful. Yeah. Recognizable and and beautiful, like you said. The other day I saw a copy of it, uh, um, of the album, um, uh, and it was the um, uh, 25th uh, anniversary edition. Mm -hmm. I I didn't buy it, by the way, but um, I did have a look at it. You you could have bought it for me. I could have. It would have made a lovely present. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't. I'm sorry. Now I'm sad. Yeah, but it was over five euros, so oh, I okay, afford I get it. it. Sure. <laughs> um, but what I noticed is that it seemed that they worked up the picture just a bit. Hmm. Okay. I noticed that the people that are sitting uh, behind the stage were yeah. very uh, were a lot more visible. Oh, okay. So I think it was in a higher quality of reworked of. Okay, that's interesting. Because in the original cover, well, you have to look twice to see. That there's actually people in the background. Mm-hmm. I think in the uh, anniversary edition, you can really, really spot them pretty well. I do wonder what Kurt um, would think of uh, having a very big MTV logo <laughs> on his album. Yeah, not sure if he was too uh, <laughs> too happy would have been too happy with that. But uh, yeah, like like you said, uh, when the album was released, Kurt wasn't around anymore. So uh, 
yeah, it makes sense that they use a lot of pictures uh, of the entire band, luckily, not mm-hmm. just of Kurt. I do like the drawings of the flowers at the back. It, it fits the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, I don't have that much to say about it. Do you? No, no. It's, uh, it is what it is, I guess. And it's fine the way it is, I think. Also on the, the, the CD version I have right here, there's a sticker on it. All 14 songs performed for MTV's Unplugged. And then it says, uh, including two tracks not featured on the original broadcast. So mm, apparently they, cool. were, they had they had to put something on a sticker to, to sell extra copies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, let's have a listen to... Uh, to all the tracks on side B, including two tracks not featured on the original broadcast. Yes, cool. I am very ready for it. I have my three cups of tea next to me, so I'm good. Great. Uh, so uh, let's hit play on uh, the first track on the second half on a plane. Yes. Start this off So how do you like this version compared to the album version? I don't particularly like one better than the other. I think they both have their better and and worse parts. Like I I think the the break sounds nicer here, but the whole bridge part is getting even more boring than I think it is on the album. So <laughs> it's sort of pluses and minuses. So what about you? <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's just fine. Um, I'm not sure if um, I would have picked this one to do acoustically if it were up to me. But uh, yeah, I, I really like uh, how Kurt's voice sounds. A b- lot more natural and a bit more uh, vulnerable than on the um, studio recording. Yeah, So true. I like that. Uh, I also like the fact that you can um, hear uh, Chris's bass, bass playing just a bit clearer, I think. It's it's an interesting uh, bass line he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he does that on the studio recording uh, uh, as well. I've got the mm-hmm. uh, isolated bass track from the nice. studio recording lined up. And I think um, on Nevermind, it's a bit more buried in the mix. And here you can enjoy Definitely. it just, uh, just a little more. So uh, here's uh, how that sounds. Yeah, and, and apart from that, they don't play it very differently than they no. usually do. So it doesn't really add that much except a different guitar sound and a different, a little bit of a different singing style, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah. um, the cello is actually also playing, but you can barely hear what she's doing. So yeah. that doesn't really add anything, I guess. I think it's it's one of those songs where... I, I think it feels like they had, like, as soon as she was introduced, she would remain on stage. And basically, I think, at least that's how it feels, like they picked a couple of songs that were really 
um, interesting for cello and probably for a couple of other songs just told her like just do something <laughs> yeah just play along and yeah whatever. exactly yeah, they could have done more with that i think uh, for instance she could have played the line um that's not in this version um at the end when uh, the extra vocals come in mm-hmm, right or yeah not just yeah. at the end as, as every course but you can really really make it out uh, um, at the end perhaps just have the cello play that line more um yeah could have uh, been nice prominent in the mix um yeah good uh, idea here's what i mean i can't complain mm-hmm. i'm on a plane mm-hmm. i can't complain mm-hmm. i'm on a plane mm-hmm. i can't complain mm-hmm. because they didn't sing that no. So there was room to add that maybe with an, with with the cello, uh, and perhaps she is playing it, but it's hardly you no. can hardly make it out. So no, it's really hard to hear. I've I've tried to make out what she's doing and and like watch the video and 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 try to see what it is she's doing, but I I can't really make it out. So no. yeah, and it's 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 a shame. I, th- I think if they had you know put in a bit more time and effort. They could have then done something more interesting with this song. Yeah, yeah. It, it, On the it other hand, um, like you can hear the audience applauding at the beginning. So I think that maybe this was one of those songs where they thought like, okay, like they'll like it when we play it. So let's just do it. And that's that's fair enough. I mean, they've they're doing enough new and experimental stuff on this on this session. <laughs> so. They, they can have that. But I, I, I do want to say that um, there is the potential to do more with this song yep. than they did with it. Um, I came across uh, a cover version by a band called The Album Leaf. Okay. I took it from a Nevermind uh, tribute um, uh, album. And I think it's like a, a one-man band, something like that. But um, he really took it, you know, um, a few steps further and really turned his song uh, inside out. So... Uh, he, uh, this is what he made of it. I love myself better than you. I know it's wrong, so what should I do? And I'm wow. not saying that this is how they uh, should have played it, but <laughs> you know, just to point out that you can do whatever you want with the song, and sometimes um, you can really find new ways of playing it and find new things in the song. And yep. that's not really what Nirvana did. It's maybe the song that's the most MTV unplugged in the traditional way. A yep. band performing the song they always like they always do just with different instruments i agree i think that cover is really interesting um although <laughs> it's it still bugs me the the whole i'm on a plane i can't complain rhyming thing <laughs> <laughs> so i was really getting into this into this cover version 
And then when this guy started singing that, I was like, oh no, oh, mm. don't do that. <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll need a cover version without those two lines and then I'll be perfectly happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I agree with you. This is this is the most, um, the, the Nirvana version is the most like normal MTV Unplugged. Like what I always wondered is, um, like we, we said last time, the whole... Uh, dumb and Polly and and how they didn't want to play those back to back because Kurt said it's basically the same song. I was always surprised that they would then play on a plane after that because to me, like having those three in succession, it makes it even more samey. I mean, on a plane is is not the same chord progression, but it's still in that same vein of songs. So, yeah. 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 No, I don't really, no, I don't really feel it that yeah. way. But yeah. Um, to yeah, me, it's maybe. like after these three, I like, oh, I, I, I really need something else now. I, actually, I think that after Dumb and Polly, it's nice to have this one to um, have a, like a bit of a different flavor. Mm-hmm. I think it brings something different to the table. Uh, it's a bit lighter. It's a bit faster as well. It's yeah. not you can't you can't call a Nirvana song cheerful, but it sounds <laughs> a bit more <laughs> optimistic uh, so, somehow. Yeah. So, um, anything else about on a plane or uh, no? Are you ready for the next uh, Nirvana original? And um, yes, well, um, almost the last Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> original of uh, of this uh, side of the album. Yeah, so that's like the unedited version, I suppose. So yeah. You can hear uh, Dave providing the beat. I, I always really like the small details, like Dave saying, "Just you know, can you hear this?" Yeah. Uh, can you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nice. This was a song that they had a hard time performing together when it was recorded for the album. So yeah, hmm. <laughs> makes sense that 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 they need that extra concentration um, to uh, to do it live now all of them yeah to keep to keep the the tempo steady and and, and stuff like that which was a problem on the uh, album version <laughs> yep because uh, that was uh, based around Kurt's solo performance and then they had to fill in the blanks basically yep. and and uh, which was really tough because without um, a steady beat he couldn't really um, uh, keep it straight which no. i think 
kind of uh, add something to the song. But I, I, so, so this one is a bit more tight, I think. This is yep. like an actual band performance. And the other, uh, the other one, um, you can really hear that it's mostly just Kurt playing and then the other guys floating around it in a way. Yeah. I'm really happy that we got this version as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Although um, I think I I would have chosen to not have Pat play in this song as well. Not because he's not doing it well, but to me it feels like um, like you have that really etherical sort of quality of the sound, especially in the verses. And then when you go to the chorus, it's like the whole band just jumps in, basically. So it gets too big for you, or yeah, I to me that's too big because it's especially combined with the whole steady, steady drum beat or <laughs> small drum beat, but still steady. Mm-hmm. It feels a bit unnatural, and it feels like that. Yeah, like I said, it's sort of an, an all of a sudden it. it like the song gets an attack from a lot of <laughs> a lot of instruments instead of it just keeping that that floating feeling um, that, for instance, the cello has. But the cello is also another instrument that gets in there. So there's like to me, there's too many instruments just mm. coming in for the chorus, and I I would have loved it if it had been less. So like. Like I said, at least just keep that out. Maybe um, I think that would have helped for me. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. I, I don't think it's such a such a problem. It doesn't doesn't bother me. Um, it maybe it's a bit more like um, they've uh, they've already uh, they've also played this song electrically in the in the, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. m- maybe it, it draw, draws a bit more from that. Yeah, you know, could where be. you get a real yeah. loud sound in it when the when the chorus kicks in. So maybe they bring that back just just a little bit. Well, I'm not sure if it was always meant to be such a floaty song. No, could be. <laughs> I've, I've got a, a, a version lined up, uh, an early demo version, which uh, which was released on the uh, uh, mon- montage of Hack uh, oh, right, compilation yeah. album. The uh, uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, quote unquote, solo album, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and there it's part of like three songs um, in in a row put together. Uh, you can't change me, burn my bridges, and uh, then it uh, leads up to uh, something in a way. And Kurt uh, Kurt plays it like this. It sort of sounds like it could be a Metallica song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think that it's it's a very cleverly written song because it's basically just two chords yep. over and over again. Yep. But you don't really notice it if you don't pay attention. <laughs> True. Uh, 
and it doesn't even have uh, uh, different uh, words in the in the verses. So it's very uh, very well done. I I think. Yeah, it's a great song. Kurt sometimes got criticized because his songs were so simple. I always think, well, it's not the easiest thing to keep an, a simple song interesting. Mm-hmm. That's basically like the uh, his big trick. And I don't really know how he does it. But on recordings like this demo version, you can really hear him uh, experimenting with that. Yeah. You know, change the the, the vocal uh, melody just, just a little bit and try to figure it out until like for some reason he knows, yeah, this is the best way it's, it's going to work. Yeah. Something like that. So I think he could really puzzle on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Together. Yeah. Um, now, of course, uh, Something in the Way is a song that got quite some attention uh, earlier this year. I think it even found its way back in some um, uh, uh, top so-and-so lists. I, th- yeah. I think it became a, a minor hit again. And uh, <laughs> of course, you know, uh, you know why that is. Uh, yeah. It's because it's... Uh, it was featured in uh, the the Batman trailer, yeah, for the upcoming movie, um, and I have that version lined up as well. Oh, cool! That so version I is thought, awesome. So I thought, uh, for a change, let's do something uh, <laughs> with uh, uh, yeah, with recent developments <laughs> instead of talking about music yeah. that's uh, twenty five years old. <laughs> cool. Play a game, just me and you. Any of this mean anything to you? You're becoming quite a celebrity. Why is he writing to you? What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? How do you like what they did with it? Yeah, it's awesome. This is this is great. Yeah. I mean, as you just heard, I, I like the etherical quality of the song. And, hmm. um, well, this version uh, <laughs> ups that um, immensely. Um, I, what, I, what I like is there's been a, like a trend in um, film trailers uh, over the last couple of years to take a well-known up-tempo pop song, make it into a a ballad version with like a large orchestration behind it and and the sonic boom in there and um, make that into the trailer. And that became kind of (laughs) tedious. And 
this trailer actually takes a song that already had that quality by itself instead of relying on, oh, look, we're doing like this whole weird different version of it. They just, in my opinion, took something with that quality and just added orchestration to it that makes it even better, but doesn't make it different in tone or feeling. So, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's still dark and gloomy, and in that way, it really fits uh, a Batman movie. Yeah, I, I suppose, or at least um, the Batman movies um, that we had uh, the last couple of years, not yep. the 1990s <laughs> Batman movies. No, that, that that this song wouldn't have fit the uh, the, the Batman movies from the same period no. of, as Nirvana. So, yeah, <laughs> can you can you imagine if they use this? Uh, to use something in a way uh, for a Batman trailer and then Jim Carrey would be in it. <laughs> oh, thank you for giving me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're, um, you're, you're, you're spot on what you said about the, the trailers and then, you know, uh, taking a well-known song and then slow it down. And I've read some theory about that uh, uh, some time ago. And they said that uh, it's a very simple trick that because your mind recognizes the song, Yep. You start to pay attention because you can't immediately say what it is because it's a different version. Um, so that's that's the trick and it's been overused lately. So uh, It's yeah, very uh, overused. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I, I, I like this one better. Yeah, and, and also the fact that in this case, it is actually not a well-known song because like you said, people started to um, get into it newly or again uh, when this trailer was released because it's not like it's not smells like teen spirit. <laughs> I mean, no. lots of people. Version. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but lots of people who who saw the trailer didn't know the song. So yeah, I think it helped uh, a, lo- a lot of people to discover Nirvana or at least this side of Nirvana. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. And I, I really like the fact that they used the uh, the humming part. Yeah, really well and really brought that forward. So uh, yeah, perhaps when the um, movie comes out. And they released the soundtrack. Perhaps there's like a full remixed version of the song on there. Yeah. Could be. I hope so. I I would definitely want to have that. And I'm interested to see if it's just in the trailer or if it's also in the movie itself. Yeah, same here. Same here. One more thing about the something in a way um, as a part of the Unplugged session. Uh, That was one of the two songs that wasn't on the original broadcast. But I don't have a clue why they left that one out because I think it's a fine version. I've read a lot about that MTV complained that Nirvana did so many covers. Then why would they leave out uh, a Nirvana original from their most popular album? I have a theory, but I have no idea if that's just me or... (laughs) One of the things that makes me really sad when I look at the video footage of this song in particular, is that you can see so well um, that Kurt has a drug habit because during the entire song, he is wiggling his jaw, which is very clear because there's not a lot of lines of lyrics in this song. And he keeps wiggling his jaw all the time in between the, the, the lines which is something that is is what I, I won't go into all of the drug details, but basically it's one of the things that you do if you have like a really severe drug habit. I find it quite painful to see because he looks rather well 
for how he was feeling. So you don't really get uh, confronted with that part. And during this song, you do. And even though I'm sure that a lot of people who would watch this would have no idea, I can imagine that either the MTV executives or perhaps the band themselves would recognize that and wanted to cut it out. Yeah, perhaps that's an interesting theory. It also reminds me of something that Dave Grohl has said in an interview, that when he and Kurt were living together in the same house, um, uh, he uh, watched Kurt writing songs a lot. Uh, at one point he noticed uh, that when Kurt was uh, trying to figure out a song and compose a song, he was moving his jaw as well. Mm-hmm. So um, he thought that Kurt was, you know, doing like the rhythm in his head and maybe it would come <laughs> out by his jaw movements. <laughs> so that's a more, maybe that's a very naive explanation. I, I think, don't know. Uh, I think that's, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's true. Yeah. We don't know. We weren't yeah. there. <laughs> no, no. And, it, and I, I mean, people use their mobility in all sorts of ways for thinking. So I I definitely uh, don't rule out that that Kurt did that. I just think that <laughs> it's probably not what happened during this song. But yeah, okay. I mean, well, take a look and, and you can think of it yourself. But it's interesting yeah. to, to have Dave yeah. say that because, yeah, I can imagine that that would happen. Okay, so uh, let's have a listen uh, to what happened uh, after um, they were done playing this song. Hurry up, so he said. Mm. Remember the little black bird on Davy Goliath? The little what? Black bird on Davy Goliath. No, I don't remember the little bird. Remember that really evil episode where, where he was really mad at this kid and he had all these visions of how he's going to, first I'm going to take him up to a hill and tie him to a tree and tar and feather him. It was evil. That wasn't Christian at all. Interpretation. Yeah. Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Oh. We're supposed to play the Me Puppet songs now. Hey. Right? Okay, great. Brothers Me, come up on stage. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, for a long time, I thought that somebody actually told Kurt to hurry up, but that wasn't the case. Somebody uh, asked him to play Kumbaya for <laughs> for some reason, and then Kurt thought that somebody shouted hurry up, yep. and so that's why they had that <laughs> discussion about that yep. TV show, which was pretty uh, funny, I think. Um yeah, so but I, I for a long, long time I thought that somebody actually told Kurt to hurry up, <laughs> and I yeah, always yeah. wondered if it was somebody from the crowd or somebody from the production team, perhaps or whatever. But um, that's no. not the case. It's no. basically one big <laughs> misunderstanding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> By this this time, in in the whole show, um, basically everybody is is relaxed. <laughs> 
like Kurt lights a cigarette and I think Dave starts smoking as well in between and whatever. And, and it's like they, they, they just, they feel relaxed and, and get into some weird things. There's, there's yeah. more weird things happening around it. I mean, you, you haven't even <laughs> played all of it yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is like the, the relaxed moment, I guess, of the, uh, of the evening. Uh, yeah, and also like we heard uh, Kurt say, uh, he, he introduces the brothers Meat, yep. which are um, uh, Chris, uh, Chris and uh, Kurt Kirkwood from uh, from the Meat Puppets. Yeah, very confusing that they have sort of almost the same names as yeah. two of the members of Nirvana. <laughs> that 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 is weird. Um, yeah, uh, we already uh, talked just a bit about it uh, last time. Um, I think there were uh, already f- rumors flying around about them having. Um, uh, some guests uh, for the show yep. and people expected maybe uh, maybe uh, Eddie Vedder would show up or something <laughs> like that or at least that's yeah. what the uh, MTV guys were hoping for. Yep. I'm pretty sure that they weren't hoping for the Meat Brothers, uh, no. <laughs> uh, the Meat Puppets. No, making the, the, <laughs> the Brothers Meat. <laughs> the Brothers Meat, the Meat Puppets because <laughs> they were a relatively uh, unknown band, uh, I, yep. uh, I think. Uh, so let's uh, ask the meat puppets themselves um, how they ended up there uh, on the stage. Yeah, we were on tour with them, and uh, they were thinking about doing some of those songs off of Meat Puppets too. And they just uh, said they were having trouble figuring them out, so they want us to come and play the guitar stuff on them. And did you know at that time that that was going to be kind of that moment, that one last moment for them live? I mean, did you know that it was going to be classic? You know, to record them like that. Well, I thought it was a good show. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I don't, yeah. I, at the time, yeah, I, you know, I didn't know uh, the future any better than anybody else really at that point. But uh, and they weren't thinking about putting it out when we did it. So, you know, I just thought it was a good show. There was an interview on an uh, American radio station. Um, the woman uh, also describes it as like their last moment live, which wasn't the case at all. But we've already mentioned that last time, <laughs> yep. um, and I think it's funny that they said, "Yeah, they had trouble uh, figuring out some uh, figuring <laughs> out some guitar parts." So uh, yeah, yeah. we thought, uh, let's, "Let's go up there and uh, help them out." So that was interesting that they weren't, they didn't even think that it was going to be released, let no. alone that it was going to be such a massive, successful, legendary album. No, I I think they were too. I mean, I I can get why they wouldn't have imagined that, but. I've always found it really interesting that they were so, um, they were okay with being in the background because, I mean, <laughs> they, they don't, like Kurt sings everything and, and it's like being an extra on your own songs. That to me, that would feel really weird, but I guess they were like just nice musicians who enjoyed, um, like performing with with another band who were friends, but yeah, it's it. <laughs> I to me it would be really weird to to be in the background and have this other guy sing your songs and and then just walk off stage again and especially because they're doing like three songs. Maybe it would make sense that they would sing at least one of their own songs, but <laughs> yeah, did, did, did but no. Yeah. And, and you said that they were friends. I think they were friendly, but they weren't that close. It wasn't like they were, that they knew each other for years or no. No. something like that. They would just, Kurt really liked them and 
they were um, asked to uh, open some shows for them. That was basically it. Yeah, but it wasn't like some of the other bands uh, in, in Nirvana history that were really good friends and, and no. colleagues and whatever, no. Yeah, no. and it, I, I think it did bring them a lot. I mean, if you look at their uh, best-known songs on Spotify, it's always the three songs that were covered <laughs> by Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, perhaps they kind of lost their own songs because of that. Yeah, I think so. Them. I mean, I I was thinking about this when, when we were preparing the show. And um, like when I think back at when this was on MTV and when it was released, like you know that it weren't like Nirvana songs. Um, I mean, he says so. Um, and you know, it's not on their albums. Um, but that was about it. I don't think they ever got a real lot of attention, to be honest. Um, like, I remember, for instance, there's like a lot of artists I got to know and a lot of books I read and movies I saw just because artists that I love mentioned that. Um, and in this case, um, I never listened to like the Meat Puppets original versions or whatever until later. Um, and obviously back in those days, there was no Spotify. <laughs> that, that's right. But would you have ever heard of the Meat Puppets if it wasn't for Nirvana? No, and I I know, I mean, I was pretty, pretty big into like indie bands and whatever. So I knew quite a lot of independent bands and, and smaller artists. But I, I can't say I knew about Meat Puppets. And like I said, I never actively tried to get into them afterwards. So probably there's people who did do that. But I mean, <laughs> like you said, they're not like the... It became like a really big band afterwards. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, were you into a Leonard Skinner uh, at the time? <laughs> I wasn't into Leonard Skinner, but I did know some of their songs. Yeah, and you probably knew this song. Yeah, and for uh, those of you uh, out there listening uh, who have never heard that before, um, that was like their spontaneous cover right after um, the Meat Puppets came on stage and it just sort of happened and it shows, well, pretty well, like, like you said, that they were um, relaxing during the show, having yeah. fun, fooling around just a little bit. And uh, yeah, that was a really, really cool moment. I really like uh, <laughs> the way um, Kurt uh, does the, the mumbling uh, vocal. <laughs> yeah, the, the funny thing I, is I was also like, when he's doing that, like, yeah, what are the lyrics actually? <laughs> I think a lot of people don't really actually know what the lyrics are apart from Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> well, I, I kind of do. Yeah. Like I've said before, I'm a 
a mediocre guitar player. And this is one of the songs that's really yep. easy to play. <laughs> so at one point I learned to play it and then I looked up the lyrics. So uh, uh. <laughs> it starts with uh, big wheels yep. keep on turning. That's Proud Mary. But no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we could just hear uh, Kurt say, uh, so shall we do Plateau first? So that's what they do. Many a hand has scaled the grand old face of the plateau. Some belong to strangers and some to folks you know. Holy ghosts and talk show hosts are planted in the sand. To beautify the foothills, shake the many hands. It's a really, really good song. I like the lyrics. I think that's also probably one of the reasons why why Kurt liked it. Um, it's hard to explain. <laughs> if you if you don't really know the lyrics, just look them up on the internet and and just dive into them and and read them well because there's a lot of in all of the Meat Puppet songs there's a lot of nice poetic sentences, but also um, a really nice road trippy feeling to it hmm. um, that makes them really interesting and some humor as well and I love how in this um, Nirvana Unplugged version it almost turns into like a hip hop beat and and sort of scat singing um, that sort of in a weird way suits the song once again it's one of those um, occasions where Kurt you know knows when to really deliver it yeah because he was i think he was struggling especially with those high notes uh, yeah uh, even even the day of the performance yeah we yep. can hear that on the on the rehearsal uh, version yeah yeah let's uh, let's check it out uh first well they start with um again with some <laughs> <laughs> spontaneous uh jamming but then they get into the song and you can really uh, really hear that I was addicted to fingeries for a long time. Scared. Who needs action when you get words? 
um, they're not quite there yet. No. <laughs> and you can hear it struggling, not just on the high notes, but on the low ones as well. So yeah. it seems like, well, at least his his voice wasn't warmed up yet. <laughs> mm. And and whatever else was, was happening, but yeah. Yeah, and perhaps he wasn't too focused or something. But uh, yeah, it, it's so amazing that uh, during the rehearsals that, that afternoon, it sounded like that. And yeah. then when they get out on stage to do the actual recording, yeah. it sounded amazing. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the the, the glory of of live audience performances and adrenaline. I guess that helps. Yeah, yeah, must yeah. be. Yeah. Um, what we haven't listened to yet, but I think we should, is the original Meat Puppets version. So uh, here we go. I think, um, unfortunately, this kind of proves why the Meat Puppets didn't really make it big after this. Because, <laughs> I'm sure it's nice, but the the Nirvana cover is is so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot better. But I do want to give him credit that I, th I think... The meat puppets are like an acquired taste. Yep. You don't immediately like it, but you can, you know, learn to appreciate them if you listen to them more often. Yeah, so. I agree. I mean, I I think they're they're maybe better songwriters than song performers. I guess I think especially Perhaps. their singing isn't that interesting, even though their 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 songwriting I think is way above a lot of other songwriters. And to me. That balance is what eventually makes them less interesting. It's just the 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 execution isn't isn't fully there for me. And you know maybe it's part of Kurt's talent that he could you know listen past that and yeah could really really see the beauty of the song and probably know oh if I can I can make it work even better and yep. there's so much quality in there but it just doesn't come forward that strongly so i could really you know try to polish it just a bit more and really work the song and and bring it to life and i i, I think he did uh yeah this um this occasion so uh, on to the next one yep Lose a mind if I had to touch feeling, I would lose my soul. The way I do, I don't have to think, I only have to do it. The results are always perfect. <laughs> 
That's all news. Would you like to hear my voice? Sprinkle with emotion. Gonna hit your birth. I can't see the end of me. My whole expanse. I cannot see. Like uh, when they start singing together. Yep. And the other voices come in. It's really, uh, really great. Yay, harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> Back when this was released, um, I think this was one of the songs that I least appreciated. I think back then it was too, too Americana for me, I guess. Hmm. I, I wasn't that much into that kind of music. But I learned to appreciate that later and, and got into folk music and stuff like that. And and now I really like this song. But yeah, it took me some time to uh, to appreciate it for, for what it was. Uh, but I think that Kurt, again, sings this beautifully. You can really feel that he's feeling it. And again, really nice lyrics as well. Really beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's so, so well done. Um, this is probably the meat puppets cover that they changed the most compared mm -hmm. to the, to the original version let's uh, let's listen to that and then uh, try to compare the two just a bit If you played me this song uh, and I wouldn't already know it because of Nirvana, I don't think I would like it very much, <laughs> to be well, quite honest. And I, I don't know. I What I like about the Meat Purpose version is it, it has a kind of a sort of a weird pro rock kind of feeling to it <laughs> that I sort of enjoy. But to me, the weirdest thing is that Especially in, in the singing, you would expect this original version to be more like Nirvana-like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they sort of, they toned it down and Kurt sang it more beautifully and, and made it more folksy. So it feels like a sort of like an opposition of, of what you'd expect them to do. And I've yeah. always found that really interesting. Yeah. Nirvana made it more into like a, a, a classic folk song instead yeah. of making a regular song sound more weird what you might expect from them <laughs> but yeah. uh, they, they didn't and uh yeah I'm, I'm really glad that they did because now now i really like the song <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really appreciate the original version um, very much uh, i must admit um anything else about oh me no, no, it's, it's, it is what it is. And like I yeah. said, I think especially the, the lyrics are really beautiful and, and I can see Kurt liking those as well. Yeah. Yeah, me too. 
Oh, uh, one tiny uh, detail I wanted to point out. That, uh, if you listen closely, uh, you can hear after um, Kurt says, uh, announces the song. He says, uh, uh, this is called Oh Me. And then somebody, I think it's Dave, says, oh. <laughs> so it's still them, even though they're playing like these pretty intense songs that aren't too too happy, they can still joke around a bit and yeah. <laughs> you know, nice. find time to uh, play like the funky bunch and uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, Sweet Home Alabama. That, that's such, um, yeah, a lot of that stuff has been left off the album. It, the album seems to be a bit more gloomy than the performance actually was in its entirety, I think. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so um, one more? Yeah. Where the bad folks go when they die, they don't go to heaven where the angels fly. Go to a lake of fire and fry. See them again, tell the 4th of July. I think this is probably my favorite of the three. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always now. torn between this one and and Plateau, but yeah, this is great. It's actually quite a lot longer than the original version. Yeah, clocks uh, the album version is 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 under uh, two minutes. When Nirvana plays it, it's almost uh, uh, three minutes. So I think the uh, instrumental part at the end is a, is is a, is a bit longer. Yeah. But I want to listen to a live version of uh, the Meat Puppets from uh, 2011 for uh, uh, King FM, the same uh, radio station that was uh, the uh, quote of the interview uh, came from. Um, and there they play a version of A Lake of Fire uh, in uh, eight and a half minutes. <laughs> wow. Uh, we're not going to listen to all of that, of course, but <laughs> just a small um, uh, snippet so we can hear that they still play this song. And nowadays it sounds more, uh, more like this. Yeah, and then they go into like a really long, uh, long jam. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it sounded pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the lyric for the the vocals are still a bit sloppy, and yeah, it's almost like they don't even try to sing it uh, in tune and and correctly. But um, I, uh, yeah, I think in in this version it still it still works, still nice. Yeah. 
totally instrumental is is good and and it's clearly influenced by by the cover by Nirvana I think and also their own evolution because this sounds slightly more like the Nirvana version than their own original one yeah I I, I feel yeah um, but perhaps back in the day when they performed the song live it already sounded a bit like this you don't know yeah could be yeah or True. at least uh, I don't know because no. <laughs> uh, I don't know that much no. about the meat puppets, like uh, like I said. Uh, but I'm I'm very very um, uh, thankful that Kurt, um, yeah, gave him this this. Um, well, <laughs> I w- w- don't want to say gave him this stage to to perform their music, but you know he uh, he brought them to uh, to the attention of many many people and uh, yeah, especially um, the Nirvana versions. I I really like. Um, I wouldn't mind if they had like done a complete album full of these cover <laughs> versions, like no. Nirvana plays the Meat Puppets. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, uh, totally agree. Uh, I I think it's it's really great that they did that. And and we mentioned before, like Nirvana chose to do a lot of covers, uh, which was a uh, a bit of a gamble, and and MTV wasn't too happy about that. But I think it really paid off because. In general, when this was released, like people enjoyed all of the songs, also the covers, because they were new and it felt like mm. sort of new Nirvana material. That was one of the, I think, the plus sides of the fact that they did mainly covers of songs that weren't that well known. So it could feel like an original, like we mentioned last time, like even the David Bowie song wasn't that well known to people. Yeah, if, if, if it wasn't for Nirvana, nobody would have known uh, Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, Exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that, that really worked for a lot of those songs and they, in in some way, they sort of made new originals, I guess, which yeah. is uh, nice, yeah. And so after the three songs, uh, the Meat Puppets uh, uh, leave the stage again. I'm not sure why, but then uh, Kurt, Kurt has the following uh, <laughs> question for the audience. <laughs> Let's see. Any requests? Glad Belly. I need a plectrum. <laughs> I I like how how basically Chris tries to sort of play everything that's being shouted from the audience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except for blandest. Yeah. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> Somebody in the audience audience really wanted to show off his yep. knowledge of the Nirvana catalog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and it's it's I, I find it funny that the first song that is being called out and and called by multiple people is Sliver. Well, um that was apparently one of the songs that they decided pretty early on that they would definitely not do. So 
<laughs> I, I've always wondered if like that first person in the audience was somebody involved with the band who knew this and just wanted to tease them by yeah. yelling sliver really <laughs> fast. Perhaps. Well, I, I think Dave wanted to give it a try. Yeah. Playing, playing, playing sliver. But uh, yeah, so we asked for requests, but I'm, I think it was pretty, uh, pretty clear that he wasn't going to play any of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was also interesting that it wasn't like the, the whole audience was screaming, smells like teen spirit. No, but that's probably because they were either um, really big fans or friends of the band. Mm-hmm. And I think all of them would know that. <laughs> it, it <laughs> yeah, might, but there uh, were there were also the, the um, like there there were people from the Nirvana fan club in the audience as well. So yeah, so they wouldn't ask for smells like Teen Spirit. No, that's true. Or maybe they thought, well, we don't have to ask for that. They'll do it anyway. <laughs> no, no. The real fans would sit there and ask for blandest. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they did play one more uh, Nirvana original. Mm-hmm. All apologies. And uh, let's uh, have a listen to that. I think that when we uh, discussed uh, in utero, we uh, promised our listeners that we would um, <laughs> uh, check out if uh, they are playing this song in a different key. Yep, I checked it. <laughs> and do they? It's the same. Ah, wah, yep. wah, wah. so we were wrong <laughs> last time. Yep. No, yep. we said we would check it, so we didn't say it's it's definitely in a different key. But uh, no, no, it's uh, it's the same. This one and dumb. And Penny Royalty, but we discussed that last time. The whole key thing there um, are the same. And the rest of the songs are either higher or lower. So, mm. yeah. I do think it's, it's a perfect choice for them to do this song. Um, yeah. It, it, it wasn't released as a single at, at this point, but I do think it's one of their best songs um, of all time. And um, yeah. one of the highlights of the uh, Euro album that had just uh, been released. So uh, I really really love this version it's hard for me to choose between the original version and 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 this one i i I think i like this one better i have the same problem it's 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 hard to (laughs) make a choice i think this one has has sort of the right feel to it i think the the album version is obviously slightly more polished especially towards the end which i like but i think that all in all Pun intended, this is sort of the quintessential version of it. I think that I mean, this was sort of the song of the Unplugged album that was played the most, I think. And I think for a lot of people, this is like the version of this song more than the album version, I guess. Yeah, and I, c- I can see why. Um... Yeah, did this 
rendition really fits the song. Yep. Uh, um, I also think that it's a bit touching that Kurt has um, said uh, at, at one point that he liked the thought that this was a song for uh, Courtney and Francis. Yep. Not lyrically, but just musically and the whole atmosphere and the yep. whole feel to it. I mean, um, he dedicated this song to them uh, uh, at their wedding uh, uh, performance. So um, yep. it, I think that's, that's touching. And I think it, it has like a, a softer quality to it yep. than the in Euro version brings forward. And I think you can really hear that in, uh, in this version. I've also have an, uh, a solo acoustic version uh, lined up, uh, one of those uh, uh, Kurt uh, uh, demos, um, mm-hmm. early version of the song. Um, makes me wonder how it would have sounded if Kurt had decided to play this song uh, on his own. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been could have been nice. Um, so here's a little um, peek uh, of that. time it is a different key <laughs> but it's nice i like it in this version i mean <laughs> it's obviously a rudimentary version but it's it like you said it's actually quite interesting to hear him do this all by himself yeah and i can see why he chose not to do this one uh, on his own uh, on the other hand i think he could have made it work yeah but then i would opt for Keeping the cello though, because Ooh, that's skirt and the cello beautiful. Yeah, and the that would be yeah, that's great. Would be great. Yeah. yeah, somebody re- remix it and yeah, <laughs> please release that version. <laughs> Perhaps this is the best Nirvana original song uh, of the uh, entire album. Yeah, I think. Uh, although I have a deep love for something in the way as well, but I think in, in just yeah, in general, this is. The better song. They could have uh, left it uh, there, I think. I mean, uh, then they would have played uh, thirteen songs, uh, ending with one of their own and one of their uh, one of their best. Uh, mm-hmm. But luckily, uh, they didn't. They had uh, one more lined up. Uh, but uh, well, first um, there's some more um, <laughs> time for some <laughs> more requests. Yeah, I have to scream in it. 
Not that I've been doing that all night. What else do you want to do? Uh, it's not our song. Oh, we've been playing covers all night. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is the last. <laughs> this is the last song of the evening. Jeremy, Jeremy, play Jeremy. That Kennedy. I don't think MTV would let us play that. Um. Yeah, so basically uh, it has become a uh, like a, a game of uh, <laughs> blurting out the most unplayable requests. <laughs> Exactly, like, including Pearl Jam songs. <laughs> yeah, Pearl Jam songs, um, Tourette's, somebody said that thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and of course, it's really weird um, to hear a woman shout out, rape me yeah. really hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope she she meant that as a song request. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure she, <laughs> she, she did. And uh funny that uh, Kurt said that uh, MTV wouldn't let them play that song. That's really funny. Exactly. I, th I thought it was really funny that they again start asking for requests and then play like two guitar lines from it and then don't even try to play the song. No. <laughs> but eventually they do play another song because I, <laughs> I've always wondered um, like I mean, we, we discussed last time that they hadn't really played a whole set through in rehearsals and, um, they did some songs in, in a different order than they had planned. And you can see it with the Meat Puppet songs. They have like three songs and they have to discuss like, okay, we're starting with Plateau. So obviously that wasn't rehearsed either. Um, and it definitely feels, um, like, this wasn't rehearsed either and they just, they wanted to do another song or they could do another song because later on after this song, if you look at the, 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 the video version of it, you see that um, like someone from production uh, walks up to Kurt because they've already left and they said goodbye. And then somebody walks up to Kurt and, and sort of discusses like, okay, is this it? Or do you want to do another song? Or do you want to do an encore or whatever? And then he's like, no, okay, we're good. We're good. So apparently <laughs> nobody really knew how many songs they would play and, and in what order. So it really feels like this is 
sort of yeah the, the the whole stalling of what should we play is is probably also used by themselves to get into another song or maybe not yeah maybe but i think um i've, I've seen set, uh, set lists um of the mm-hmm. performance i'm not 100 percent sure if they're uh, authentic but i think they are uh and they have um where did you sleep last night uh, on it as the last mm-hmm. song so i think they knew that they were going to end the show with that one but maybe they considered squeezing in just another one or yeah or they were just yep, stalling be. because they were a bit nervous to play that song or they didn't want the evening to end just yet or <laughs> <laughs> they just needed another cigarette before playing another song <laughs> yeah or they didn't really know what they uh, were getting into by uh, asking <laughs> for requests and then yep. you know it uh, it just uh, got out of hand a bit uh, after that but uh, it's, it's nice to hear that they're having fun with the audience and yeah but then uh, 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 Kurt uh, puts it all uh, to an end on his own uh, subtle way Fuck you all, this is the last song of the evening. What is it? This was written by a, what? my favorite performer. Our favorite performer, isn't it? All of ours? You like him the best? Oh, and there's a donation basket for Kurt wants to buy Lead Belly's guitar. Oh yeah, this guy representing the Lead Belly estate wants to sell me Lead Belly's guitar for $500,000. Yeah. I even asked David Geffen personally if he'd buy it for me. He wouldn't do it. Yeah, and the big irony of that story, of course, is that Kurt's talking about a very uh, expensive uh, guitar, $500,000, while um, he was holding a guitar that um, recently... Uh, became the most expensive guitar uh, on the planet. Yep. Because it was sold for six million dollars. Yep. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite a big irony there. And and also, I think he he apparently exaggerated the price of the Lead Belly guitar. It's it's been told. So <laughs> the story is yeah. true, but it apparently it was less than five hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's so weird. And little did he know what would happen to his own guitar, yeah. uh, which was quite a special guitar to begin with, I think. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. no way it would have been six million dollars if it wasn't for the fact that Kurt was playing it on this uh, legendary session. But um, I, I, it, it wasn't like a, a regular guitar, or it wasn't one that he got from a pawn shop. It was like an old. Uh, guitar and there weren't ma- that many of that uh, no, of exactly. in the first place it and it already, was uh, exclusive. adjusted yeah. for him so it, it, it was a special guitar yep yeah but now it's the most uh, expensive guitar uh, in the world yeah that, that's weird um, yeah I, I, I kind of chipped in because <laughs> it was bought by the guy the, the owner of the uh, Rode microphone company which is ah. um, a microphone that I'm talking into right now <laughs> So, <laughs> so you, way, yeah, you sort of, you own a bit of the guitar. Yeah. 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 Did you, um, 
that you follow the whole story of the guitar and the lawsuit and stuff like that? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Well, it, it's it's a bit of a sad story because um, Frances, uh, being Cobain, Kurt's daughter, uh, she got the guitar. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. um, she uh, more or less gave it to her husband. Who, oh, right. That story. Yeah. Who yeah, in every uh, image or video I see of him uh, is like a Kurt Cobain impersonator. Yep. So that's really, really weird. He comes across as, as quite, quite a quite a douche to me, but well, yeah. who am I to judge? But um, anyway, uh, then they divorced. and yep. um, So she he, thought he was a douche as well. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Francis and I were on the, were on the same page. But <laughs> then uh, that guy, um, I don't even remember his name, by the way. But, um, uh, but then that guy, um, I think there was a lawsuit because Francis wanted to have back the guitar yep. for late father. And True. The guy said, no, you gave it to me and yeah. I'm going to sell it. And uh, that's uh, that's what he did. So it's yeah. a bit uh, it's a bit sad. I've, I've uh, also read stories of people really attacking Frances for giving away her dad's guitar. But I think that's a bit uh, it's, unfair uh, as well. I mean, it's 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 hers to do with right. with her family's uh estate whatever she wants and and yeah maybe she regrets her own choice as well but it's i'm sure she did in the end it's her yeah but in the end it's been her choice and and it's not weird for you to um if you marry somebody who's in the music business as well and you love him very much that you give him that guitar it's not weird and even if it was it's still her choice to make yeah and uh, in this case, her mistake to make. But uh, yep. yeah, yeah, I uh, totally agree uh, with you. I, I, I don't think Kurt bought Ledbetty's guitar uh, in the end, by the no. way. No, as far uh, as I know, uh, he didn't. <laughs> uh, but I've never heard what actually happened to that guitar. No, no, we should Maybe. look that up. Or if yeah. somebody who is listening knows, or if you have Ledbetty's guitar. <laughs> yeah, send it to us. <laughs> exactly. And we'll, we'll play a song on it <laughs> for the podcast. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, let's listen to um, uh, the last song uh, of the evening. For a lot of people, um, them playing such an old blues song was a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. But if you had, um, yeah, been following um, the band and especially Kurt, uh, you knew that the, this was one of his favorite songs and that they had been playing this uh, this one for years. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's great that they finally recorded it and played it the right way. Yep. Because otherwise, we would have been left with half decent performances like the one they did uh in the netherlands uh oh, yeah <laughs> for this one, which is sort of okay but not yeah. really good and now they they really really nailed it yeah 
definitely. It's beautiful. I think I like the um, sort of the relaxed way they get into it because in in previous versions it it often was a bit tense and a bit screamy um and i think in this version the, the fact that that they ease into it and kurt really sings it beautifully and then that cello comes in later works really well for the song and then the fact that he he goes up an octave at the end and does scream works much better. Yeah, they they take their time building up to that moment. Yep. That's that, that's that's really great. Of course, they had already played this song uh on a version that um was actually uh released. Yep. Uh although I don't think a lot of people uh knew about it or maybe still don't know about it. <laughs> In like our third episode or something i think we we discussed it that yep. uh chris and kurt joined up with two guys from uh, the screaming trees mark lanigan and their uh, drummer whose name uh, i keep on forgetting did you write it down no <laughs> so you're looking at I'm your notes sorry. <laughs> i'm sorry screaming trees drummer yes i'm very sorry um <laughs> um and they um went into the studio together and they performed a couple of uh, Lead Belly uh, songs. One of them being uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Yep. Then Mark Lanigan, uh, the singer of The Screaming Trees, uh, did the vocals. But I think that uh, um, Kurt and Chris definitely played on it. Yep. And uh, Lanigan then uh, used that version to put on his uh, uh, solo record, uh, The Winding Street. Yeah, I, th- I think that's like the the... Uh, the ultimate grunge version (laughs) yep Uh, and it sounded like this Yeah, and as you can hear, uh, Mark is doing the screaming at the end as well. And he was, uh, well, sort of the, f- the first person to do that. So Kurt took that from him. Do you know if uh, Mark Lanigan was the one that got Kurt into Lead Belly? Yeah, I think so. He mentioned it in the book. I think as far as I can remember, well, Mark Lanigan was most into Lead Belly at first, I'm not sure if he was the one that actually introduced it to Kurt, that I can't be sure of, but he was the one who sort of instigated and, and that interest and, and also that idea of, uh, of doing a whole Let Belly album together because that was the first idea of them to, uh, to yeah, do. What, so, uh, yeah, well, yeah. That, that, that's been a bit unclear, right? Because I think yeah. there's also there were also were stories that they wanted to write songs together, but none of them wanted to lead, or that exactly. they had written a couple of songs but forgot them when they 
went to the studio and then on the spot <laughs> then decided did the to do some thing. Yeah, I mean, all of those those sessions and stories from back then, they were just like young guys who liked to play music and had all sorts of wild ideas. Remember, like Kurt thinking of like 20 different bands to put together and mm-hmm. tour with. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, different uh, different versions uh, of those ideas. But, yeah, yeah. eventually uh, Mark Lennigan put it on his, uh, his solo album. And uh, like you said, it's really grungy. And also it has this sort of joy division-esque sound to it like really dark and moody and, and yeah. yeah pretty cool yeah. i think yeah I, I think so too and it, i think it's fascinating that those rock icons grunge guys were into really old music like that yep i mean yeah a lot of people wouldn't expect that but if you look um at Gert's uh, journals that have mm-hmm. uh, that have later been published, um, he writes uh, a lot of lists with his uh, favorite albums. And uh, Led Belly's last session is is on many of them. Yeah. So we really really love that uh, the music, and I, I I think we should have listened to uh, uh, the original version as well. Yeah. My girl. My girl don't lie to me Tell me where did you sleep last night Come on, tell me, baby In the pond, in the pond Where the sun don't ever shine I was shivering all night through My girl, my girl Where will you go? I'm going where the cold wind blows. Where's that, baby? <laughs> yeah, and to to complete the whole picture for people who don't really know Lead Belly and and aren't too much into folk songs, I think it's important to mention that this song is not really written by Lead Belly. Most likely, it's an old song from a folk tradition that has this melody and then has like different words to it. There's different versions of it. There is a version that's called In the Pines and has like different lyrics. Um, My Girl is another another title of it. And Led Belly wrote a lot of songs himself, but also was like a collector of of old folk tunes. Um, So he would record like his versions of those songs. And he's been incredibly important in keeping songs like that alive because before his time songs like that were just passed over by singing and then obviously altering things but he really uh yeah he recorded them and and gave them all to us so it's pretty yeah. amazing yeah and it's nice to see guys like um, uh, Kurt and, and Mark Lennigan to carry on that tradition in yep. a way and also play that song now, um, I've read that uh, afterwards, uh, Lanigan said that they abandoned uh, the project with uh, Chris and Kurt and the Lead Belly covers um, uh, because um, they realized it wasn't as cool as the originals. <laughs> but still, he had another go at this song uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I must admit, I didn't know this version until you pointed it uh, uh, out to me last uh, last week. It's on the soundtrack of the series uh, American Gods, which yep. I haven't watched. I did. Is it, is it any good? 
uh, first series is beautiful, and then after that, don't bother. Read the book. It's a new game and book. It's beautiful. Okay, cool. And it has a nice nice soundtrack. Yes. Because it has another version of Mark Lanigan singing uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? In the pines, in the pines, where the sun never shines. It's a really, really good version. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, he's he's, he's got such a such a nice voice. Yeah, it, um, it's great. It triggered me to listen to uh, some more of his solo stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like him as a songwriter that much, but I do really like him as a singer. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think um, <laughs> it's it's the opposite of uh, of the Meat Puppets, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Maybe if Mark Lanigan would sing the Meat Puppets, that would be the perfect Ooh. combination. <laughs> yeah, or maybe if we, he would go into the studio and with with Rick Rubin and do like the Johnny Cash thing. <laughs> yeah, only singing like these traditional American songbook songs. Yeah, that would be great. Arranged like this, yeah, yep. I would definitely. Uh, like that uh, uh, a lot but um anyway back uh, back to nirvana i think it wouldn't be right to end this episode in any other way than um by going back to um nirvana's performance and especially uh, uh kurt's um vocal delivery and mm-hmm. also point out that i think here's another um, moment in there if you look at the footage that's really telling the during the break he sighs he looks up at the camera it seems so um intense and sort of deliberate like he was yeah. he knew what he was doing but was also very very pure at the same time yeah i'm i don't yeah, know I if agree. i'm if i'm making sense here but uh, <laughs> no but i, that, I, that, I that's how i feel mean. about it if you're listening to this and you you don't understand then yeah look look it up online and and yeah i i, I agree with you i don't i i don't have better words to explain it but yeah, it's an interesting moment. Yeah, makes me wonder if they rehearsed it that way. Although they they had played this song a lot of times before. Yep. I have the feeling that they were improvising just just a little bit in moments like that and yep. in small details. Yeah, I think and so. That's uh, another thing that really made this album uh, such a legendary piece of art you said before like it's it's they could have stopped after all apologies and and ended on their own song true i think for some weird reason this this rendition of where did you sleep last night feels like it's it's that encore basically of the performance and it also it has that kind of sort of definite feeling to it i guess yeah if they'd said like after this, like this was the last one we've ever played, it wouldn't be weird. On the other hand, that's also something that 
we might just project on it afterwards yeah. now. So it's hard yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, probably too. I mean, let, let's be honest, if Kurt hadn't died a couple of months after this performance, perhaps it would never have been released as a standalone no. album and it wouldn't have got such an iconic status. Exactly. And the other unplugged uh, sessions wouldn't have been either. So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to change things up just a little bit. Usually we say our goodbyes and then we have our uh, our uh, tune, which is uh, provided to us by Nirvana Piano. Uh, but I think um, this time uh, Kurt should have the last uh, the last word and uh, the band should have uh, the final uh, goodbye. So um, I want to thank you for um, joining me once again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope to see you next time. Of course, I want to thank everybody out there uh listening to this podcast uh, and if you like it uh, please uh, share it with other people give us a nice uh, review or rating or um, send us an email to express your appreciation or your criticism that's welcome as well if you want to do that you can send it to surewoodpodcast at gmail.com surewoodpodcast at gmail.com if you can't remember that just look us up on facebook and uh, there's a button there that lets you send us a message as well Once again, uh, thank you everybody for listening and we hope you're going to tune in next time. Bye. Goodbye. In the pines, in the pines Where the sun don't ever shine I will shiver the whole night through